All right, let's look in our Bibles at Romans chapter 1. We've been using Romans 1 here, and, um, and we'll move forward to some other parts of the book to look at the attributes of God. We don't normally think of Romans as a book that presents the attributes of God, and that's not the main uh, point that Paul presents there, but as Paul discusses about our salvation, he presents attributes of God, and so it's a good guide for us in looking through that. And we've noticed in chapter 1 that uh, Paul starts talking about, in verse 20, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. Uh, that He is first eternal, that He is uh, the all-powerful God. And then in verse uh, 23, that it says God possesses glory. He's the all-majestic uh, God with majestic uh, glory. And that He's the incorruptible God. And we talked about how that is His holiness. And that God is perfectly righteous and holy and all that He is. And He cannot... He's totally opposite of all sin. And He has, cannot accept sin in any way. <clears throat> the other attribute that goes along with God's character, with His holiness, is God's love. And we're going to see that. We're going to focus on that this morning. And Paul presents God's love as we go forward in this book next. And that's who God is. And so this is very uh, uh, on target as Paul presents these, is that God is perfectly holy and righteous, and God is perfectly loving. And God is perfectly balanced with both of those. And he's the only one that's perfectly balanced in those. <clears throat> we as humans can be out of balance one or the other. Uh, and particularly in, in Christianity, we can do that even. God is perfectly balanced and we need to be, seek to be uh, perfectly balanced in these as God is. So last week we talked about how God says uh, through Peter in his book, uh, as I am holy, so you be holy. So we're called to holiness. But we're also called to God's love as He is. Look at chapter 2 and we'll see Paul begin to bring this out. Verse 2 says, But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And so in verse 3 and 4, Paul begins to present the goodness of God. And the words that go along with it are his forbearance, his long suffering. And so Paul is talking about 
his aspect of love, his character of love. Goodness, I thought this was interesting, it was kind of informative to me, is that typically goodness I've thought of as a description of his holiness. And it is. We can use goodness as another word to describe God's holiness. He does what is right and what is good. But here, Paul uses goodness to describe God's love. And I think that's an instructive point for us, that what makes God good is His love in that He does uh, what is good for other people. Now, when, you, when we talk about love, that's a word that is very, very common. It's a very major aspect of life. We talk about it a lot. We think about it a lot. But when you then get down to say, how do you define that? We can struggle. We can find, we can, it can be hard to put it into words. Perhaps maybe because it's such a big concept. It's multifaceted. It's hard to put it into one sentence. But I would propose this this morning is that based on this, could we not say a major aspect of love is that God does what is best. His love means that God does what is best and good for his creation and for us. And that's how God is perfectly loving. He does what is best for us. He always has our best interests in mind. And that's a good description of what love is. And we apply that to our relationships with other people. Is that Love means that we do what is best for the other person, not ourselves. And, so, and that'll bring in the whole aspect of then sacrificing for someone else. We're not, gonna, we're not uh, operating about what do I want out of this. It's what does that other person need in this situation. And I'm going to set aside my wants and desires for the sake of the other person. That's love. And that's what God did for us. And this is all the basis of our salvation. And that's where it's manifested. In fact, John speaks of this in his epistles. Of this was a man, how love of God was manifested and that God sent His Son to take away our sins. That's how God's love is seen. And what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So he did what was best for the world, not what was really best for him. And Jesus manifested that. We can say the same thing with Jesus. He did what was best for us, the world, not for himself. The cross was not best for Jesus, but it's what we needed. He did it for us, to sacrifice himself for us. That's love. So love does what is best for the other person, and that's... Uh, the chief height of goodness, that is seeking the good of someone else, what is best for someone else. And that then is where the other concepts come in, forbearance, long-suffering, meaning patience. And he's saying that God is patient with creation, uh, with people 
who are sinning and God is waiting. He's not releasing final judgment, giving them an opportunity to repent and be saved. That's love. Because God could, he could execute judgment immediately at any time. But he doesn't out of love. And so this is what Paul will, will present, uh, is presenting here. And this is the, the great aspect of God is he, he does what is best. So, so we have, let's just think about the two <clears throat> character qualities of God. And I use that word to, to make a subcategory of God's character is his holiness and his love. The other things is all power. He's all powerful. He's eternal. I think we could use the word attributes in a more general way. But this personal character qualities of holiness and love, those are the two major ones for God. And to think about how uh, this is the standard of perfection. And that this is what we're to seek to follow. We're to seek to be obedient to God, to be holy as He is holy. And we're to be loving as God is love. And that means, we will, that means that we would seek to do what's best for the other person, not for ourselves. This is who our God is. This is our model. This is, and he's, the, he's more just a model. He's the definition of it. He defines love. That's why John says God is love. He's the one that, he, 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 he manifests it. Love is found in him as what it is. And that means that he's going to do what is best, what is good for <clears throat> the world, the creation that he has made. Uh, look over further uh, in chapter, okay, chapter 5. Let's start with verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He's just he's talking about that we have been saved. We've been justified by faith, and that's how we're saved. So he says, okay, so we come into this salvation, and here's the result. Verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so he says, coming into the family of God and being saved is the love of God is poured into our hearts. And so God's love is going to be a part, should be a part of our, of our lives. Let's go on in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So uh, verse 8 is the powerful statement. As Paul brings this out, that God demonstrates his love in, in his salvation through Christ. That Christ did what was best for the world, not for himself. And that's what love is. And Christ went to the cross and he suffered and being beat and suffered and being going to that torturous death so that we could be forgiven. And that's love. And now he offers that salvation to us as a gift. <clears throat> and we receive that and we're receiving his love. And then that love is poured out in our hearts. And then we're then to pour that love out to other people. And that's how we experience God and fellowship with God. Everything of God's work to us is that he's God and we're not. And that's never going to change. But we're to we God's work in our hearts is to make us like him. In these ways. In the ways that we can manifest his characteristics. And that's chiefly in the personal characteristics, his character of holiness and love. And so, and so Paul presents the incorruptibility of God there in chapter 1. And now, as he goes on and talks about God's salvation through Christ, he brings out his love because that's what it's based on. And so now we have the attribute, the character quality of God, of love that makes God great. All of these attributes about the greatness of God. And that's the mindset we need to stay close to is that we think about how who God is what he is that he is the eternal creator the source of everything he's the all-powerful God he is the majestic God of majestic glory and he's the God who's perfectly holy and he's the God of perfect love and there's one word for that the Bible repeats over and over He's great. He's just great. There's no one greater than Him. He's the great and almighty God because of who He is. And His love is one of the uh, great parts of God. And it's very... Uh, I'm not sure the word to put to it. Uh, it's wrong, for sure, and very misguided, but it's also puzzling that many times the world's reaction then to God is to say, well, why isn't God doing this? Why is he doing that? If he's so loving, why doesn't he do this? I just can't believe that he is that because there's so much pain in the world, so much sin in the world. And they, they doubt the love of God and they doubt the, the righteousness of God. And that's always a mistake. God is perfect. He does what is best. See, let's come back to this definition. He does what is best for us. And many times that involves some person doing what's best for the other person, but that other person not understanding that. Is it that what, that's what Paul even said here. He said, God, Christ, rather, Christ died for us 
while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, and we, in our unconverted state, we didn't understand that. We didn't understand he needed to do that. Even the disciples who were believers didn't understand he needed to go to the cross in that moment because of their lack of understanding of the scriptures. God did, though, did what was best for us, even though we didn't understand it, and even though we didn't realize we needed that. And that's true. You can apply that to many other situations where, say, the unbelieving world, they sit there and say, oh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't like any notion of Him. And yet, He's doing what is best for them. But they don't understand that. But He still is. And it's still true. And that's what love is. He is loving. Just because the other person doesn't understand doesn't negate the love. And that, that's true in many situations, uh, particularly when people are going down a wrong path. And <clears throat> a person sees that in their life and out of love for them, they seek to talk to them and confront them in that area and many, many times in that situation, that person will react negatively toward that and say, you know, be angry and not understand and not like them trying to deal with a situation in their life. And yet that person is loving them. In many, many situations, like God, Dealing with our sin, it's love. It's an act of love, even though the other person may not accept it or understand it. And that's a large degree of how God loved us and loved the world. In fact, you know, if we think about Jesus' words, that he says that most people, the majority of people will die and go to hell. And we'll miss salvation. The road to hell is broad and wide. Jesus said the road to the kingdom is narrow. And there are few who find it. So does that mean God was wrong? That God was wrong off base on what he did? No, he was totally right. He was perfectly loving. And yet the world looked at, is looking at that majority, look at that and say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. You're not even a loving God. And they're totally wrong. And... And that's the aspect of God's love. And also it can be for us. <clears throat> I mean, we, can, and we are in that situation. And when we're trying to stand against sinful things in the world, uh, particularly like with the, uh, the homosexual agenda, for instance, and we, we'll say, this is wrong. And what are we accused of? You hateful Christians. You are unloving. We are loving. We accept everybody. That's how it's being presented. That's how the world is talking about us. That's how they react and saying, you're not loving. We're loving. But they, they don't understand God's love. They're, they're missing God's love. Actually, they're not taking all of God's attributes into, into consideration. They're not taking His holiness into consideration. He says this, there are things that are wrong and there are things that are right. And He decides that. And it's loving to deal with 
to help a person turn away from sin. And that's, in fact, if you look at this, this is the major way God's love is manifested, of dealing with our sin, seeking to help us to turn from sin, so that we are close to, we can be close to Him and we do follow Him. And that means that we're going to seek to be uh, people, human beings, who seek to obey God as our Heavenly Father, and we're going to seek to be holy and righteous, doing what is right, and we're going to seek to be loving. And uh, that's what Paul, how Paul, does, what he's communicating in his statement in Ephesians where he says, speaking the truth in love. That's reflecting both of God's character qualities, holiness and love, the truth and love. And we're to do that, even if the world doesn't understand it or accept it. We need to be careful, though, here. We need to be careful. We do speak it in love. Because it can be easy not to speak it in love, but to speak it in meanness or frustration or anger or pride. And we need to be on guard about that. Because uh, we need to reflect the love of God. Who, that we re- speak it with a broken heart. Uh, that, that they are harming themselves. And we're seeking to do what's best for the other person. Not trying to operate out of any selfish interests. So this is the great aspect of God's love that He perfectly manifests and it is His character quality that makes Him what He is. And we need to stay close to this and this is what we're to seek to, uh, to, to get as close to in our life. To be holy as He is holy and to be loving as He is Loving, which in the bottom line means that we do what's best for the other person and not ourselves. All right. Uh, Very important to stay close to God's attributes. And so I hope you'll uh, put these in your mind and your heart and, uh, and, uh, and think about them. Think about them at different times. And uh, in fact, I found this very helpful in my own life is when I sense, I'm sure you you'll know what I'm saying. You can sense when you just get out of focus away from God. You just know things are off. You're just not focused. And what has helped me when that's happened, invariably it's that I have got my focus off of God, the Creator, and onto the physical creation too much. Whether it's my own feelings or other people or whatever's happening in the world. And what's helpful for it is to just get alone and just focus on God, who He is. And that's His attributes. That's how this is so important. You need to focus on His attributes to really lock into who God is. He's all-powerful. He's eternal. He's full of all glory. He is holy and righteous. And He is perfect.